최고 Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferris 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. I hope everyone's doing fantastic this week, this holiday weekend. I am recording this early and probably releasing it early so that I don't have uh, the stress of finishing this up before the holiday celebrations start commencing. If you or your loved ones or friends are celebrating this weekend i hope you have a merry christmas and if you're not celebrating christmas just have a nice holiday and or whatever uh i uh, you know i i try and i, I try I, I i usually just say happy holidays to anyone i see because who knows what you know what they're celebrating you know they might not they might not, they might not be celebrating anything in that case have a good week and a good weekend just a normal weekend weekend <clears throat> now that i've covered all my bases Let's jump into the third annual Ferret Awards voting. That's right. The nomination period is officially over, and now the voting sheet will be available the Tuesday after Christmas, or the day after, actually, uh, the 26th of December. Uh, the voting form will go live uh, at like 8 p.m.-ish around that time, and you'll be able to submit your votes for multiple categories that you yourselves nominated. Uh, we had a good amount of responses to our nomination sheet. I appreciate everyone who entered in their nominations. I tried to include as many variable video games, as many games I could, um, various video games that I could. I, I tried to make sure that there was a good mix in each category, so if the same game was showing up too much, I kind of flipped the switched it out here and there at times just to make sure that other games also get their footing in the voting section in the in the in the nominations um so if you did not get a name not a game nominated this year or if you think there's something missing from the list uh sorry but the nomination period was three weeks long and i tried to promote it as much as i could um, maybe next year. They, they, you know, everything starts up again next December uh, when the next nomination period for the fourth annual Ferret Awards will show up. But uh, as of right now, the voting sheet for this year is going to be available soon, if not already. Um, I will be putting a link in the description of this episode. Uh, the responses will not be turned on until the day after Christmas, Tuesday, the 26th. Let's go ahead and go through all of the categories and the games you can vote for. <clears throat> the penultimate game of the year. We have... Uh, there's, all, there's five games for each category. <clears throat> the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Baldur's Gate 3. Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Alan Wake 2 are on the nomination form for the game of the year. And the prestigious honor of being worst game of the year, we have The Lord of the Rings Gollum, Skull Island Rise of Kong, The Walking Dead Destinies, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, and Redfall. Best indie game, we have Pizza Tower, Cocoon, Sea of Stars, Chance of Sinar, and Lethal Company. Best performance by an actor or actress, Ben Starr, who plays Clive from Final Fantasy 16, Yuri Lowenthal, who plays Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2, 
Cameron Monaghan, who plays Cal Kestis in Jedi Survivor. Uh, Najee Jeter, who plays Miles Morales in Spider-Man 2, and also Miles Morales. (laughs) And uh, Robbie Damond, who plays Chai from Hi-Fi Rush. Best Narrative. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Marvel Spider-Man 2, and Lies of P. The Still Playing Award. Final Fantasy XIV, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Played Up, Fortnite, and Roller Coaster Tycoon. Best Remaster or Remake. I decided to combine the two categories because there was not enough nominations per single remaster or remake. Uh, so we have Dead Space Remake, Resident Evil 4, Metroid Prime Remastered, Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, and System Shock Remaster, uh, re- Remake. <laughs> Best DLC slash update slash content drop. We have the Back to the Future DLC for Power Wash Simulator. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways. Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. And God of War Ragnarok's Valhalla. Best Combat. Uh, Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. Final Fantasy 16. Dead Island 2. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And Hi-Fi Rush. Most Unique Experience, Baldur's Gate 3, Meet Your Maker, Alan Wake 2, Dredge, and Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Best Audio Design, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Dead Space Remake, Final Fantasy 16, Meet Your Maker, and Cocoon. Best Soundtrack, we have Hi-Fi Rush, Final Fantasy 16, Goodbye Volcano High. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Baldur's Gate 3. Best single song from a soundtrack. We have The Beacon from Hi-Fi Rush. Find the Flame from Final Fantasy XVI. The Storm Calls for You from Sea of Stars. Feel from Lies of P. And Herald of Darkness from Alan Wake 2. The Game That Left You Speechless Award. We have Hi-Fi Rush, Final Fantasy XVI. Marvel Spider-Man 2, RoboCop, Rogue City, and The Talos Principle 2. Best Visuals and Graphics. We have Lies of P, Final Fantasy 16, Dead Island 2, Alan Wake 2, and The Talos Principle 2. Best Multiplayer. We have Street Fighter 6, Party Animals, We Were Here Expeditions, The Friendship, Lethal Company, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Best Gameplay, Hi-Fi Rush, Baldur's Gate 3, Dead Island 2, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, and Dead I- uh, Dead Space Remake. I apologize, misspoke there. Best Action Adventure Game, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Alan Wake 2, Diablo 4, and Dead Island 2. Best RPG slash JRPG, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16. Lies of P, Octopath Traveler 2, and Sea of Stars. Best Platformer, we have Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Pizza Tower, Disney's Illusion Island, Sonic Superstars, and Planet of Lana. Best Sports Game, we have EA Sports FC 24, F1 Manager 2023, Super Mega Baseball 4, WWE 2K23, and AE. AEW Fight Forever. 
Best shooter, we have Starfield, Meet Your Maker, RoboCop, Rogue City, Resident Evil 4, and Remnant 2. Best strategy or puzzle game, we have Cocoon, Ultimate Admiral, Dreadnoughts, Pikmin 4, Humanity, and The Talos Principle 2. And for favorite game that Yummy the Ferris streamed in 2023, we have Metroid Prime Remastered, The Last of Us Part 1, Ratchet & Clank, Going Commando, GoldenEye 007 on the Xbox, Detroit Become Human, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, Burnout 3 Takedown, God Hand, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare from 2019. Um, just as a, as a refresher, if you want to vote this year, the voting will start on Tuesday, the Tuesday after Christmas, the 26th of December. That is when voting will begin, and that will be until that that voting period will be until um I don't even I don't remember what day I said. It's it's going to be sometime in January. So uh, keep an eye out in the Discord link down in the description below of every podcast episode. I'll uh, make sure you keep an eye out on that, and uh, I will. Of course, mention when it's going to be when the when it will be done either in the voting form itself or on Twitter or places like that in the next episode of the podcast. And if you need a refresher for what each of these categories represent or what they mean, like ah, what's the you know what does it mean by game that left you speechless? What does it mean by most uh, unique experience? Uh, if you listen to that episode where I talked about the nomination form, you can get an idea of that. Um, but if you have any questions, I, I'd be happy to answer them in the comments below on the YouTube or on the Discord. All right, folks. Thank you so much once again to everyone who nominated for this year's Ferret Awards. Very much appreciate that. And uh, I will see you for the voting form on Tuesday, December 26th. Let's go ahead and move on to the first part of the show, which is what have I been playing this past week? All right, to start off, my Steam year in review came out, and of course, it didn't come out the same week as all the other wraps, so I gotta lump it in right here real quick. <clears throat> but uh, I played 84 games on Steam, 64 of those games were brand new that I just had recently bought this year. Uh, 721 achievements in total, I played 50% of the time, 57% of the time with a controller, and the other part of the time with a keyboard and mouse. Uh, my most played game with 41 sessions, which accounts for 12% of my playtime, was Rollercoaster Tycoon Deluxe. <clears throat> and that's why it's on the still playing uh, ballad, because I played a lot, a lot, a lot of that. <clears throat> uh, my longest gaming streak was 22 uh, days in a row. Um, so I was obviously playing some, <laughs> some, uh, some games that I was working on in, in that period. Um, one of my most played games was The Talos Principle 2 um, in November. It, I, ha, I, I played that exclusively in November. Pretty crazy. Three days in a row. There you go. Um, other games like Far Cry 4, Fall Guys ate up a big part of the first part of the year, but then kind of fed off, mate. Um, things like uh, Plate Up also came back around. Um... Lords of the Fallen, the original game from 2014. <laughs> uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, Hellboy Web of Words, stuff like that uh, came around. 50% um, of my playtime was the controller, like I said. 17% of the time, 
I I played Fall Guys with a controller. <laughs> kind of weird that that's in there. Um, so yeah. Oh, okay. Here's my 22 day streak. So I played Counter Strike Global Offensive as it was called back then. Civilization Five, Batman Arkham Asylum, Golf with Your Friends, Total Tank Simulator, Death Door, Evil West, Fall Guys, Burnout uh, Paradise Remastered, Power of Ten, Played Up, Woo Loop, The Looker, Handshakes, and I commissioned some bees, uh, all in the same, uh, all in those twenty-two days. Pretty cool, I guess. Um, so there you go. But yeah, I mean, looking at my list of games this year, uh, you know, I'm 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 actually surprised that so many of them were first like were first played in 2023 or I bought them in 2023. Um, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, seeing as I was a game goblin <laughs> this year. I, I did buy way too many games that I probably wasn't going to play, <laughs> which is just kind of how kind of how it goes sometimes you know but a good chunk of these games surprisingly were free to play games which i'll talk about a couple later on here um but uh, you know I, I always love these uh year in reviews um I, I love them so much that's why i talk about them you know so there you go that is my steam wrap let's talk about some games that i finished up this week or started playing this week on the top of my list is i finally got around to finishing alan wake 2 I've uh, been working on this for quite some time. Had to take a little bit of a break from it. Got back to it. Finished it up uh, this uh, past like f- Thursday or Wednesday, whenever whatever day that was. And a lot, uh, a lot of this game I really enjoyed. Uh, but there was also a fair amount of the game that I also was not too jazzed about. Do I do I think that it deserves all the nominations and awards that it got this year? Of course. I think that it, on on top of everything, it's got amazing graphics most of the time. It's got um, some really intense, moody atmosphere, thick atmosphere. Um, the voice acting and acting in general is is great. The mocap acting is also really good too. the The story is is, is good, um, and uh, the different mechanics that they have in the game are really nice as well. Like the bulletin board where you where you map out your um, your detective work and and the Alan Wake side of things where you're you got your little chalkboard of plot points and stuff like that. I think that's a really cool thing to introduce into this game. Um, and I also really like the idea of having the two different protagonists who both have their own little stories going on that that mesh and come together at the end, as you may or may not know, um, or maybe you you can just kind of ascertain from just trailers and stuff like that. Uh, the part of the game that I didn't really enjoy surprisingly was the combat uh it started off feeling pretty good kind of like a resident evil 2 resident evil 3 style Um, but as they started to throw more enemies at you different variety of enemies at you and the encounters became um more unmanageable i guess you could say the cracks in the gunplay started to kind of creep its way in and i i started to get very frustrated toward the end of the game especially when they had like this huge horde moment at the end of the game which was in general a really cool sequence but it was ruined by how many times i had to to, had to restart due to dying because the combat was too slow for the amount of enemies that they were throwing at you and this i i know that i'm in the major minority of people who think this obviously i know that i'm crazy sometimes with my takes but I try to be as genuine as I can fucking possibly be on this podcast. And if that gives me some hate or some dislikes or whatever, so be it. At least I'm being honest, unlike a lot of people in the gaming landscape, okay? Not going to point any fingers. 
Anyway, uh, so yeah, I just found the the gun combat when it was at the beginning where you, you took down a couple of enemies in an encounter and you had to kind of conserve your ammunition and, and really, you know, precise, you know, be precise with your shots. And, and of course, that did go all the way to the end of the game where you had to kind of make sure that you have your ammo stocked up and make sure that you're not wasting ammo and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I thought that the gunplay in general was was fine all the way up until kind of midway through the game when they started, you know, having like, you know, here's the wolves attacking you, and then there's a bunch of guys in the background throwing shit at you, and just the the combat was was a bit too slow in my opinion for these types of encounters. Like when you're playing a game like Resident Evil Two, um, I, not really Three because Three is much more of a fast paced action game, but Two is like one is 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 very comparable to Alan Wake. 2 as well. Resident Evil 2 Remake is very comparable to Alan Wake 2, which is a confusing sentence, which is why I said it twice, just to clarify. Um, because Resident Evil 2 Remake was, you know, yeah, obviously it does throw a good amount of zombies at you at times, but it never becomes unmanageable with the amount of inventory and weapons that you have. Um, and a lot of the zombies, obviously, they don't go down uh, immediately when you when you shoot them. Sometimes they'll go down and they'll sit down for a little while, allowing you to take a reprieve and focus on another enemy. In Alan Wake 2's case, the combat is the same speed where you know you, you, you're, you're taking down enemies one at a time, pretty much, or maybe you're you're switching between two enemies who are close to you. Uh, but the problem is that these enemies don't back off when they're being hit, or a lot of times they will keep pressing the advance on you in multiple directions at the same time, which then has me introduce the dodge mechanic to you all, which is very Resident Evil, Evil 3 Remake-esque, where it's a simple dodge in a, in, in a certain direction to kind of loop around an enemy or get around an enemy. And I didn't think that it worked very well in that game. And in this game, I feel like it works even worse um the timing on it was just all over the place at times i i could not get the feel for the timing on this dodge mechanic and i understand dodging backwards dodging left dodging right i mean i played hellboy web of word that game is all about dodging in the right direction and it, you know like that the, i i am laser focused on what direction i need to dodge and at times i will feel like i have done the most perfect dodge ever and the enemy will hit me on their backswing or hit me with their regular swing um a lot of times the camera will just not work with you when you're dodging like you dodge around an enemy or dodge um to the right of an enemy and they kind of get lost in your in your field of view and they hit you from behind because they did a double attack but it's like how am i supposed to know they're doing a double attack when the fucking camera uh follows my character of course but it's not giving me a, a wide enough perspective on this battle I, there's no there's no audio cue that the enemy is coming around to hit you again from behind there's no visual cue because it's off the screen um and and on top of it all if i miss my first input and get hit uh now i'm now i'm going to take double damage because i can't see the enemy do another swing behind me maybe i'm starting to do a use a healing item or maybe i'm trying to swing around and look at him but it's not fast enough um, and that was my main issue with Alan Wake 2 throughout the in, almost the entire playthrough, pretty much halfway through it and then onward. And and the cracks really started to show with the first major boss of the game, uh, which is funny to say because that is like the third chapter or something like that. Um, but with that boss encounter, like the boss was so aggressive and the character was moving so slow. Um, and I was like, ah, this is really getting a little bit frustrating. Of course, I, I got through it and I was, I was fine, but... You could really start to feel a bit of those cracks starting to form, in my opinion. So, 
yeah, that that was my main gripe with the game, like my main spot of contention, I guess I would say. I was uh, maybe maybe I don't know, maybe being a bit overcritical. I'm not sure, but I do know that um I this is just how I felt throughout the game. I just felt like everything else in this game is working so well just to have this combat just feels so it feels like a separate part of the. It really does feel like a separate part of the game almost at times. Um, the parts of the game that I love the most were when you're just walking through that dense atmospheric forest, or going through a city and talking to random people in the city, and and finding collectibles and clues, and and get and, and trying to figure out how to open locked chests in the forest, and um, you know going to the different locations like the nursing home and. Um, you know the the, the uh, amusement park. Oh my gosh, the amusement park was amazing, dripping with atmosphere and and just one of those perfect video game moments where you're where you're just go you're you're adventuring through this dilapidated, disturbing, frankly, park that's not not inherently on the surface disturbing. It's just everything around you is just kind of like feeling a bit uneasy, feeling a bit weird. And as you continue onward, you know stuff starts to happen and things get even more creepy or even more bizarre. So. That was one of my favorite parts of the game, and of course, everyone's talking about the music section, like the the music level, which I also found to be very, very exciting, very, very fun. Um, but at the same time, they introduced the flare gun in that section, and you're supposed to use the flare gun a bunch. But I wanted to conserve my ammo, but I couldn't conserve my ammo because there's so many enemies. I start to not have as much fun because of these restraints that they're putting on your character or you, the player, at the time during this really cool sec section that I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to feel. I just kind of want to be in the moment, but I can't. I'm, I'm I'm continuously being drawn out because of this combat, and and that was something that really, really did not did not help. Um, that, that was the, that. I mean, my gripe just kept getting bigger and bigger until I was a full on criticism for the game, um, which is why, yeah, I just I just. I had the rated a bit lower than I was expecting. Um, another part of the of the of the game that. Is not this is not really a criticism. This is more of like a me thing. But I was, I was able to really see the twist of the game coming from a mile away. And I'm not, I'm not being like, oh, I'm so smart. I'm so smart. I, I, I knew what the twist was less than halfway through the game. Like, it's painfully obvious to me what this game is going for pretty early on like obviously they you know obviously from like chapter one to maybe chapter four or whatever it's a little bit ambiguous what's going on like who's the real players who's the real evil people whatever you know um but but once i started to play as alan wake in his segments of the game i was like oh this is so obvious it's so obvious what's going on and i don't want to spoil it for the people who haven't played it this is a non-spoiler discussion um but to me personally so many people are talking about how this narrative is so well done and the twist was so ingenious and and you they couldn't see it coming and i just have to i just i i have to keep my mouth shut because i'm like because if i say this in a discord or some or in person i'm gonna sound like the biggest asshole ever but to me personally like the, it was just such an obvious twist like it was just such like a obvious thing to do like there was there, there were inklings of it all over the place but they weren't just like blotted in the background or in the collectibles no it was like in your face during cutscenes. like this is obviously what's happening why didn't anyone else catch on to this maybe i'm just a next level gamer no that's uh, that also sounds like an a asshole thing to say i will say for me personally it's not really a criticism but it is something that i just want to mention because so many people are saying the opposite of what i'm saying which is kind of 
I don't know, weird to me. It is it is a little bit weird to me. I understand loving the game. I do love the game myself. I think it's a great game. But in terms of other things that I've played this year, um, it doesn't stack up to some experiences that I've had. Um, it's obviously, obviously way better than the original game. I know a lot of people who played uh, Alan Wake's American Nightmare also were like very happy that this game went a completely different direction because apparently that one was was pretty bad. Um, and there's also a bunch of, like, this also has some aspects of, like, control in there, um, some vibes from that, some story beats from that, some characters from that, actually, to be honest, um, which is pretty cool to see the two worlds colliding. They're not really separate worlds either. There was Alan Wake DLC in Control that you might have to play, you might not have to play to understand some things happening in this game. Um, but uh, for the most part, it is a standalone experience. You can play it without any knowledge of the previous games if you want, um, but it does help to at least have played the Alan Wake remaster or the first Alan Wake game <laughs> before going into this one. All in all, it's worth playing. It's worth your time. If you like Resident Evil-style games, it's very closely related to that. I think that the gore is pretty well done. I think that the visuals are really well done. The music is a knockout of the park. Um... The FMV segments where, like, they use actual footage of people and characters and stuff interacting is, is really well done. It's really well meshed into the game at times. There are certain segments of the game that will knock you off your feet and say, wow, that was amazing or that was awesome. Uh, but to me personally, there's also segments of this game that will really bring you to your knees and beg the question, why? Why are there so many enemies? Why is, it, why is this so much more difficult than it needs to be? Why is the dodge not working properly? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for that, and for other reasons that I will not talk about because they're story and spoiler related, uh, I'm landing on a 4 out of 5 for Alan Wake 2. Which I, I'm not doing a final review or anything like that, but um, I, I figured might as well give a rating since I've given a rating for almost everything else uh, leading up to this year, um, or through this year. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, on the technical side of things also, like the game ran pretty well. I think I only ran to a couple of things here and there, glitch-wise. I don't think my game ever crashed on... Well, maybe it crashed like on the second day I was playing it. I want to say it crashed at least once. But once out of you know my 20 hours or so, 25 hours of playtime, not too bad. Not too bad at all. So check it out if you want to. I definitely would recommend it. Um, but, you know, I wasn't like as jazzed about it as a lot of other people at times. Um and I do know that, like, my original talk about this game was super-duper positive. And, of course, that was with, like, five or six hours of gameplay. Um, so I apologize that it took me so long to get to this point to actually talk about it. But sometimes I, you got, I just got to take breaks from games, and sometimes those breaks turn indefinite until I, like, stream it and restart. And other times it just takes me a couple of weeks to get back to it, or a month in this case, to get back to it and really work on it. And uh, that's what I did. After, of course, finishing a bunch of other games as well, like Hi-Fi Rush. Anyway, uh, let's also talk about another game that I recently finished that was on my backlog for the 2023 year. Jusant. Jusant? Jusant. Uh, this is the climbing, rock climbing game that Xbox showed off. It's on Xbox Game Pass if you want to check that out. Jusant uh, follows the story of this um, young, uh, young-ish like a uh, girl I think she is um, who is climbing this for 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 foreboding mountain essentially um, and the whole area is it's kind of like Mad Max where like the ocean has dried up 
So you see like wrecked ships and and ancient structures that used to be underwater, which are now above, you know, that are now in dry land. And the sun is so hot that it causes your stamina to run lower when you're in the sun and stuff like that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things going on with this game, while also it being very uh, borderline mundane <laughs> at times. Um, I I. Uh, personally, I thought the game started off really boring. Like, I would say the first three chapters of this game, maybe even four chapters of this game, do not do the end of the game justice. Because the start of the game is just like, hey, learn the basics. You know, look at some beautiful visuals here and there. Um, You know, maybe it was more like four chapters and I, I there started to actually do something interesting. Until I got to, like, the chapter where they start introducing new mechanics that's like, oh, you can call the bugs to lift you up for a few seconds and stuff. Everything before that was just so either mundane or just boring. Um, And the story, like, the story in the background wasn't really building at all. It was just kind of like, okay, we're climbing this mountain. We're going through these structures that are abandoned. We're, we're climbing on these like rock bugs, which is kind of annoying. Let's be honest, you know. And we're we're activating these pillars of light with this little animal that we found. That's pretty cute, but you know, whatever. Not until you get to that chapter where like the bugs and stuff start lifting you, like the animals start lifting you. And there's another section where it's like a complete like windy area, so you're like being lifted by the wind and being pushed by the wind in different directions. That's when the game really started to become interesting and definitely made me go, okay, this this was definitely worth getting to this point because this is actually fun. There's actually some challenge here. There's some new mechanics being introduced. Who knows if they'll stick around, but, you know, whatever. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the part with the wind, which I thought was the most interesting part of the game, ended up being the shortest chapter in the game, which I think was, like, chapter six, and that was really disappointing. And I was like, oh, I was just getting into this, and I was really enjoying what was going on. And this was the shortest chapter of the game. Luckily, though, the end of the game does end strong with some nice visuals, uh, some nice climbing challenge, going up like a tall pillar and activating lights as you go along. That wasn't that bad. Also, there was some really nice visual flair in there as well for the ending sequence. Um, so all in all, just Sant. It's free on Xbox Game Pass. I would definitely recommend like checking it out. If you don't like the first couple hours, like if you think the climbing is too weird or whatever then you're probably not going to like the rest of the game because the whole game is just climbing. You hold down LT and RT for your hands, and you lift them up and move the joystick to move whichever hand you have up, and then you can jump and stuff at times as well. And your rope length is, is finite, so you got to anchor yourself in at places and make sure you have enough rope to get to the next place. But I never really ran into a problem where I didn't have enough rope. Uh, maybe on the harder difficulties, I don't know if there are harder difficulties, honestly, but it, maybe if there is another harder difficulty, maybe, maybe then, like, oh, okay, now I have less rope to work with, or now I have less stamina to work with, but as of as of me recording this, I haven't tried any of that stuff out. If there is stuff like that in the game, I don't know, uh, but that's definitely something that I would like to see included, um, but yeah, so Just Sant, it's like a 3 out of 5 for me. The opening is too slow and mundane, and the ending happens too quickly. But there's some nice visual flair in there, some nice moments, some nice music, some cool stuff happening at the end, which is enough to boost it up a little bit. I also finished 100 Asian Cats and 100 Christmas Cats. This is another hidden object game, or two hidden object games. 
a hundred uh, I'm sorry, a hundred Christmas cats was just terrible. It was really bad. Um, in in this in in terms of hidden object games, it's probably the worst one I played. The visuals, if you're zoomed out all the way, are not great. Zoomed in all the way, not amazing. Too many cat butts and ball sacks for me, honestly. Lots of cats hidden in places where it's like, that doesn't even look like a cat. Like, it's just the back of the cat arched, and you're supposed to know the click on it because it's a cat. Like, really dumb placement of, of the hidden objects. Really didn't like that. On the other hand, 100 Asian cats, which isn't too much better, but it's better enough that I would say, hey... If you like hidden object games, this one's at least competent. Uh, 100 Asian Cats is a better visual, better cat placements. Um, but once again, just like with 100 Christmas Cats, like it's not great. It, it just isn't great. So there you go. 100 Asian Cats, 100 Christmas Cats. They're free, so check them out if you want to. But if, if you're going to go for a hidden object game, go for an arcade full of cats, which I already talked about earlier this year. That was definitely a fun time. I've also been playing some Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 given to me for Christmas by the one and only Greedy Waffles. Thank you again. I'm really enjoying my time with it. Um, obviously, I don't think I'm going to put it on like a top 10 list or anything like that, but uh, for a Smash Brothers knockoff or clone or whatever you want to call it, it's pretty good. I still have the same problems I have with this game as I have with most Smash Brothers games where it's like when I get hit off, hit off the map... For some reason, I just can't recover. No matter what I do, no matter how much I try, no matter how much I train, I cannot get myself back off of the stage like 50% of the time, which is a way, which is way too big of a margin, which is why I haven't beaten the campaign mode yet, or whatever they call it. The cool thing about this game, one, it's obviously a lot of references to things in the past of Nickelodeon and also in the present. The things in the present I'm not too big on, like Loudmouth and... El Tigre, I've never heard of those shows or seen them, unfortunately. But a bulk of the game is, is about, you know, Avatar the Last Airbender, SpongeBob, uh, Ren and Stimpy, Angry Beavers, um, um, Hey Arnold, stuff like that. All these characters are are here and they're great. Um, one character I don't think that that hasn't returned that didn't return this game was Cat Dog, which I did not notice when I was um, messing around with the game. I think that was I think there's a character that didn't return. Which is kind of weird. Um, but anyway, uh, Danny Phantom is in there with uh, other characters in the Danny Phantom universe. Actually, the main villain of the game is a Danny Phantom character, so he also has a lot of representation for some reason. I mean, it was a great show, don't get me wrong. Um, they added in Ember, who is like, you know, childhood, yummy sweetheart kind of, kind of vibe. Um, punk rock star ghost lady who sings that one song. Um... Amber, you will remember. It's a banger, honestly. It's still a banger to this day. Um, anyway, so, I mean, yeah, they did a lot of stuff that is that is actually more closely related to Smash Brothers than I was anticipating. So you have the new Final Smashes or whatever. They're called, like, Slime Smashes or something like that. And it's pretty much the same thing as, like, a Super Ultimate Smash in Smash Brothers where it's, like, there's a cool animation and then boom bada bing you, you automatically ko anyone in front of you or anyone who was in the reach of your character which is pretty cool um and then also uh there's the new the slime meter in general that gives you if you hold down l2 on the playstation 4 or 5 um it'll give you extra bonus attack damage and stuff like that but it uses that meter faster and of course if you fill it all the way that's when you can use your ultimate slime ability um, they added in more, like, technical stuff in here, which I think is a reason why a lot of people who are in, like, the competitive scene really like this game. Lots of new dodging mechanics, 
Um, uh, I mean, the, the movesets on these characters are really varied as well, and they also reference a lot of things that are from a character's past and, and present. Um, you know, SpongeBob is, is a good example because he just has so much. Uh, he has the spatula from his first ever episode for his, like, boost-up ability. Um, he uh, has the uh, I Wanna Rock, um, like, sunglasses or whatever you want to call them, and he does, like, the I Wanna Rock stance where he, like, puts his arms and legs out for, like, the up, up smash or whatever you want to call it. Um... He has, like, he blows bubbles, and he does, like, the, you know, when he was, that one episode with Squidward and Patrick where they're, like, learning how to make bubbles, and he's, like, going around town. Like, that's his, like, down smash move, which is pretty funny. Um, a lot of stuff like that. You know, Garfield and all these other characters are the same way, where they just have a lot of references to things from their shows, which is awesome. I love that. I love that they put so much time and effort into really making these characters all feel unique. I mean, from, from like, the most basic of characters you can think of, like SpongeBob, all the way to the more, like, obscure ones, like Reptar and the Angry Beavers. Like, there's so much love and care put into this game. And also, huge bonus is the voice acting. There's voice acting for all the characters. I think it's ev- I think they got the original voice actors for every single character in this game, even the side characters who show up in the story mode, like Mrs. Puff and the El Tigre girl and, um, Hugh Neutron and stuff like that. Like there's, there's so many, there's so many voice acting roles that, uh, are, are great to hear again. Like it's, it's amazing that, that these people are back and doing their, their voice work. It's, it's really fun. It's really cool to hear. Um, and on top of that, like the campaign mode's pretty cool too. It's like a roguelite mode. It, it does get a little frustrating when I fall off the map three times and end up failing, which is my own fault, just being unskillful at the game right now. Uh, but I did get to the final boss, but I unfortunately failed. Um, I, I was too high of damage. And I only had one life left. Um, but I definitely will get back there. Like I've been switching characters in every run, and right now Reptar is the one that I got the farthest with and I had the most fun with. Um, so. You know, take that with what you will. I'm a Reptar stan, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's really cool how, you know, you go through this campaign mode. You unlock characters by battling them, much like how you do in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, there's, like, little bonus stages you do with where you pop balloons, kind of like the target practice from Melee. Uh, there's, like, a platforming section to unlock chests to get extra slime, uh, which is actually also currency in the game. So not only is there a slime meter, but there's a slime currency, a Nickelodeon Air uh, Blimp bl- uh, Trophy currency, and a Splat currency. Keep that all <laughs> in your mind right now. Um, but yeah, so you, this is a, it's a platforming section kind of reminiscent of Brawl's uh, Emissary Mode, or whatever it was called. Uh, and then uh, there's multiple bosses that you can face throughout the game. Uh, right now I've faced uh, the Jellyfish King, the Flying Dutchman, Shredder from TMNT, and of course the main villain of the game, which is that one guy from Danny Phantom. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's actually, and there's also other ones that I haven't found yet or haven't uh, gotten to fight yet because it's kind of random. It's a roguelite mode, so it's kind of random uh, which which characters you fight and, you know, whatever. So it's pretty cool. It's a it's a pretty cool game. They definitely uh, definitely built upon the basis of what they had, and they definitely made it uh, better. It's definitely a better game in general. Nice character selection. Of course, I feel like SpongeBob has too much representation because you know it's SpongeBob, it's Patrick, it's uh, Squidward, it's Plankton, it's it, you know a whole bunch of stuff in there. Obviously, SpongeBob is the biggest IP that Nickelodeon has and owns. They're gonna milk that till they die, and obviously, this game is going to want to use as much spongebob as they can so you know I, i'm not like super pissed about it but you know then again it's like all right <laughs> there's a 
you know, it's a lot of SpongeBob. And I love SpongeBob. The first three or four seasons are bangers still, but yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to see some more obscure stuff going on. Like, you know, I, I was I was really happy to see Angry Beavers, Ren and Stimpy, um, you know, Gerald from Hey Arnold is in there with with also with Grandma, which is crazy to see. And there's all these characters who they're a bit obscure, you know, at, especially the newer audiences. But they've also done a good job of combining the newer stuff with the older stuff. And even though you know, even though not everything that's new is 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 brand new, there's still like old IPs that are being used nowadays, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and and stuff like that. It's, it's fun to see these characters, these worlds kind of colliding here in this game. And it's fun to see those old IPs that are kind of like, kind of forgotten about like Jimmy Neutron and, and stuff like that come back around and have some rebirth, some, have some re-energy. Obviously, there's still other shows that don't have representation in this game. Like they took out the Avril Monsters character for some reason. Um, we also don't see anyone from... Oh... I, I had all these games. I, I had all these TV shows in my head. Rocket Power, nothing from Rocket Power in there. Um, so obviously they can't get every IP back, or they can't shove them all into the game. But uh, it's it's kind of weird that they did. They did. I mean, they they did bring back a lot of characters and they retooled them. But there's some characters that they just didn't bring back, which is weird. Like um, Powdered Toast Man is in the game, but he's not a playable character. And I'm pretty sure Hugh Neutron was a DLC character in the first game, and he didn't make a... He's just a side character in this game. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird how they did it. Hopefully they bring them back as, like, full-on, like, free DLC characters like they did in the first game, but we'll have to wait and see. So, yeah, that's uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. I'm having a lot of fun with it right now. I can't wait to play more. Definitely worth your time if you like fighting games. All right, some games that we finished on stream this past week. Uh, Half-Life Blue Shift. Uh, this is the like an add-on for Half-Life. Uh, we decided to play that. Um, it was fine, but it was very glitchy. I did not have, I, I did not encounter that many glitches or anything like that from the original Half-Life game. But Blue Shift was very glitchy, very unpredictable, very unstable. I should say it also was not as fun as Half-Life. Even you know, I, I liked Half-Life, but not enough to give it anything higher than a C tier. Uh, but this Blue Shift is definitely D tier at best. And we also played and finished a game called Hot Lava, which is a platforming game where you play as like these little toy guys, these little toy characters, and you try and avoid the lava. The lava's on the floor. And you jump through schools, supermarkets, toy boxes, malls, etc. It's fine. Um, I liked it a lot more back in like 2019 when it originally came out. Um, it's a, you know, the, the first like seven or eight worlds you go to are just kind of boring, and then the rest of them kind of pick up which i think are the, like the added on levels after the fact so um yeah it's just it's one of those games that's like it's still fun and it's still enjoyable but it wasn't as enjoyable as i remember it being it definitely hit that sweet spot at times where it's like call of duty jump servers i used to love those when i was a kid and it definitely gives that vibe sometimes um and right now the servers are dead so the fun of like having other people be in your map and doing the levels with you and trying to beat them is not there anymore um, so I ended up giving the C, C tier as well because it's like yeah, it's 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 fine. It's got it's there. I I, en I guess I enjoyed my time enough, but not a lot. So there you go. All right, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is what have I been playing? Uh, this I'm sorry. <laughs> What's in the news? 
Okay, this past week, Insomniac was uh, hacked. Like, terribly hacked. Uh, several terabytes of information was stolen from the studio and then uh, held for ransom. Um, and, of, of course, Sony and Insomniac aren't going to pay the $2 million for them not to release the information, right? Um, but uh, this is like the first time that I have been doing this podcast that I remember from recent memory that a hack this big has happened and criminal allegate like the, the it's actually a criminal blackmailing that they have done um, which is of course criminal there the people who did the hack will probably be found and sent to jail I just wonder why these people have to hack video game studios like these are just people doing their jobs they I mean they're like the developers of these games aren't even at the forefront. If you're gonna hack anyone, which I'm not saying you should do this, okay? Hack like CEOs, hack politicians, hack, you know, whoever. Why are you hacking these video game studios? Uh, essentially, what these hackers did is they got into the Insomniac Games servers through some sort of phishing email or something like that, and uh, they were able to get like tons and tons and tons of information that they extracted from the server and they dangled it in front of them and said hey give us money or we're going to release all this information five years of your planning is about to be released to the public and of course insomniac and playstation isn't going to isn't going to pay that they're just going to take the brunt of it um and and actually lucky for playstation and, and insomniac like the whole entire gaming community has rallied around them in support of insomniac uh which is one, it's kind of heartwarming, obviously. Like, it's nice to see people gather around and be in such support of game developers and Insomniac and stuff like that. Um, it's also kind of unprecedented. Usually people are are more so on, like, the side of, ooh, we got a news story. Ooh, we can talk about this leak. Ooh, GTA 6 was leaked, and there's a playable build that's going around. It looks like shit, right? And, and in this case... People are much more understanding, and I wonder if it's just a, a, maybe a little bit of growth in the gaming community. Like, hey, these leaks aren't actually a good thing. You know, like, nothing good came out of the GTA 6 leak. Even, like, the latest trailer, the kid who leaked the information for that is, like, sentenced to, like, a, a couple of years in, like, some sort of jail hospital thing. I don't even know the full details of that. I'm not going to really talk about that too much. But, yeah, um, so... Insomniac Games was kind of silent for a couple days as their information just got pushed out there in, in mass waves of of uh, of leaks. Um, stuff about the new Wolverine game, stuff about the future plans for the Spider-Man series and spin-off games and Ratchet and & Clank and even Sunset Overdrive, like sales numbers were revealed. And um, there, there was a whole bunch of stuff, which I'm not going to talk about. There's actually even a playable build of Wolverine that came out, um, which is just... It's just it's just crazy. It's actually just straight up crazy. Um, and I know a lot of people are kind of like disappointed that Insomniac is becoming the Marvel IP game studio, the Spider-Man IP game studio. And I don't think that they're solely, I mean, obviously I don't think they were ever going to solely just be on Spider-Man, but it's, it's hot right now. People are loving Spider-Man right now. The new game just came out. Of course, Sony's going to want to put out the next game as fast as they can or, 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 or spin off as fast as they can. Um, 
and and Ratchet and Clank, even like even the latest game, um, Rift Apart, did not sell as well. I mean, of course, it didn't sell as well as Spider Man or Horizon or God of War. Like, it, it, it's a really great IP, but it's not that high selling IP. So Sony's of course going to say, "Hey, Insomniac, we want more of that Spider Man stuff. You know, we want more of that." Um, so I don't think it's super disappointing that they're not going to be working on anything else for a while. But I will say that I would like to see more variety from the Sony studios because a lot of them are just kind of like working on the next game and uh, a sequel to the game that they've been working on. And then there's a bunch of IPs in the background like, hey, Jack and Daxter here. Hey, Sly Cooper here. Hey, Ratchet and Clank here. Hey, all these games that you built your studio, your companies on, your studios on, we're here. We need some love. <laughs> Even re-releases. But anyway, I digress. So Insomniac put out a statement saying, Thank you for the outpouring of compassion and unwavering support. It's deeply appreciated. We're both saddened and angered about the recent criminal cyber attack on our studio and our, our, and the emotional toll has taken on our dev team. We are focused inwardly for the last several days to support each other. <clears throat> we are aware that the stolen data includes personal information belonging to our employees, former employees, and independent contractors. It also includes early development details about Marvel's Wolverine for PS5. Uh, we continue to work. <clears throat> we are continuing working quickly to determine what data was, in, uh, excuse me, impacted. This experience has been extremely distressing for us. We want everyone to enjoy the games we develop as intended and as our players deserve. However, the Logan Insomniac is resilient. Oh, I'm sorry. Like Logan, Insomniac is resilient. Marvel's Wolverine continues as planned. The game is are is is in early is in early production and will no doubt greatly evolve throughout development, as do all of our plans. While we appreciate everyone's enthusiasm, we will share official information about Marvel's Wolverine when the time is right. On behalf of everyone at Insomniac, thank you for the ongoing support during this challenging time. So yeah, I, like like I said, I understand the hunger for information on these games. Like the Wolverine game, I'm interested in the Wolverine game. I mean, I, I really want to see that Wolverine game. It's going to be, hopefully it's going to be like an M-rated Wolverine experience. Um, kind of like how that Wolverine Origins game was. But I don't need to know that bad that I'm going to play like a broken early version, like early concept version of the game. Like that's just, that's just weird in my opinion. Um, and actually, uh, Sony is... Well, maybe not even Sony, but or well, yeah, obviously Sony or 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 Insomniac is pushing uh, internet providers to dish out uh, cease and desist DMCA's to people who have downloaded this this early demo of the Wolverine game. Um, essentially, places like Comcast, Spectrum, AT and T have been sending out these DMCA's uh, that are asking people who downloaded the the stolen content to delete it off of their hardware. No legal, like no legal business has been done. Just a DMCA has been issued to the people who have been caught downloading the Wolverine information and demo. Um, so I, I don't know if they will, I don't know if Sony will go farther with this to like, actually like, I don't think they're going to arrest anyone who downloaded a copy of it. But if you do have a copy of it, I, I, I would urge you to delete it and not play it. I mean, obviously it's not going to be a full blown game. I don't think it's even going to be representative of what the final product is going to be like in the, in the slightest. Um, I think that it's probably just going to be mostly unplayable, which is like, why would you even want to play that? The same thing happened with the GTA six, like leaked footage or whatever. People were shitting on that, like for a week straight. And I, I'm just over here. Like 
it's a fucking early like like early production fucking demo of the game like what do you expect so people set themselves up to and for disappointment when they go to play this and they're like oh i'm playing gta 6 oh i'm playing marvel's wolverine and it's like oh why isn't this finished why does this feel like shit it's like because it's not finished it doesn't it feels like shit because it's not it's not finished (laughs) What, what do you want me to say like you're playing an unfinished uh illegally obtained version of the game like what do you want me to say you know but anyway, um, it's 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 hopefully in the future after this major breach, one hopefully they get better security and better anti phishing measures at Insomniac and in Sony and across the board, Nintendo, Xbox, everyone. Nintendo's pretty good at not doing any leaks and and not having their servers breached, so they're doing something right over there. Maybe they just never open emails. <laughs> that might be that might be it. Um, but two. I, I, I sincerely hope that this is the reaction to every single hack, leak, etc. In the maybe, maybe not, maybe not leak like like this. I'm talking like big time leaks. Like we need to act the same way to every single big breach of security, big leak of information. The small stuff that's kind of peppered around here and there. I think you know it, it, a random person gets a hold of some information and they put it on Twitter. I don't think that's criminal. Okay. That's just like, Hey, I heard this and this might be true. This is like legitimately leaked from Insomniac themselves inside the company, extracting the data, putting it onto forums and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people are going into specifics and talking about all the different things that they've seen and all the different things that they've done or all the different things that they've seen and all the different things that Insomniac is going to do. And they're talking about it and they're milking it for what it's worth. Um, me personally, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stoop that low. I have talked about leaks before, but nothing this big and never anything in detail. Uh, so if you want to check out the leaks yourself, you can do that on your own time. I will not be talking about any leaks here. Speaking of PlayStation, they did their annual Game of the Year stuff for their PlayStation blog, and the fans have spoken and the. Best new character is Venom, <laughs> who is a character who's been around since, like, the 80s, 70s, I don't know. It, it, he's been around a while, but he's a best new character, okay? Um, also, Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man 2 won Best Story and Graphical Showcase, Best Graphical Showcase. Um, Alan Wake 2 won Best Art Direction. Uh, best audio design went to Marvel Spider-Man 2. Um, soundtrack of the year went to Marvel Spider-Man 2. Best accessibility features went to Marvel Spider-Man 2. Uh, best use of the DualSense controller went to Spider-Man 2. Uh, best multiplayer experience went to Baldur's Gate 3. Um, best ongoing game went to Fortnite. Uh, best expansion went to Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Best sports game went to EA Sports FC 24. Uh, best independent game went to Sea of Stars. Best VR game went to Resident Evil VR. I'm sorry, Resident Evil Village VR. PS4 game of the year went to Hogwarts Legacy. And of course, PS5 game of the year was Marvel Spider-Man 2. Wow. <laughs> it's it's like this is a PlayStation-funded and owned <laughs> game award show um uh, studio of the year with insomniac games most anticipated game in from of, of 2024 and beyond with the grand theft auto 6 and that's it 
Um, take take whatever you want to take from that information. Go ahead. Um, it's it's pretty predictable what games are going to get onto this game of the year stuff for the PlayStation blog because it's like, of course, the first party Sony IPs are going to be the winners for the most part. You know, it'd be very surprising if any other game won game of the year. Even Baldur's Gate three. I, I'm I'm being honest here. Even Baldur's Gate three would be surprising if it won the PlayStation blog best game. You know, like that's just that's just facts. <laughs> Also, another PlayStation news, Rise of Ronin had a neat little uh, informational article written in Game Informer uh, for this month, which, I mean, hey, Game Informer is still, still living and breathing out there. I haven't read it in so long, but hey, this got me to read it. What do you know? Uh, they were talking with one of the game's directors uh, from, uh, from Team Ninja, and they talked about how the game is going to be an open-world Japanese setting, of course. It's going to be more realistic than the other previous rpgs that they've done like neo and woe long uh the storyline will be fictional but will be like a historical fictional will be set in 1863 um you'll be fighting invading forces off the coast of japan uh, who will of course invade japan and also some real life historical figures as well uh, you'll be able to speak to certain characters in the game and you'll have some multiple choice responses which might be cr crucial at key moments in the story um, they're kind of vague about it, but uh, I think that'll be pretty cool if it does impact the ending, which ending you'll get, which would be pretty cool. Uh, completing side missions, meeting specific characters, and improving your bond with them will also impact the story as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, there'll be plenty of bandits for you to kill, uh, uh, along with three cities to explore, Yokohama, Kyoto, and Edo, which is Tokyo today. The combat will be, is described as being very similar to Neo. Uh, you'll be at, you'll be given various weapon types, including guns, and you'll also have a grappling hook, kind of like Sekiro, which can also be used during fights, not just for platforming. Um, sounds like they are doing what they know, but it but changing it enough to be its own thing, right? This Rise of Ronin game, it's looking really good. I can't wait to play that. It's coming around in March or something like that. Uh, so I definitely will be picking this up day one. And checking it out, I think it's going to be a pretty cool game. Team Ninja never disappoints with their combat. Even in the games like Neo that I like but don't love, the combat is always top-notch. So you can expect at least that. But it sounds like they're also putting more of a focus on story and stuff like that, open-world stuff. So it should be pretty cool. It should be pretty interesting. Can't wait to use guns. <laughs> All right, switching away from PlayStation news. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick is officially stepping down on December 29th, 2023. Um, this has been, of course, talked about for quite some time, about him stepping down, but it's now officially uh, taking place on the 29th of December following the Microsoft buyout of um, Activision Blizzard. Uh, he's been in charge of the company since 1991, and he helped bringing about the merger with Blizzard Entertainment in 2008. Um, he's, of course, published games under his banner, like Call of Duty, Candy Crush, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, etc. Um, other people under him who are also leaving the company, Vice Chairman of Blizzard and King Human, hum, Humam Sakunini is leaving before the new year. In, in January, Lulu Messervi, uh, an Activision chief of communications officer, is departing as well, along with other uh, executives who report to 
the boss. So a lot of underlings are also being removed from power as well. This is a long time coming. I mean, it was like two years ago now or something like that that the allegations against him surfaced, and he's just kind of sat in his throne of power since then, uh, not budging. Uh, I am glad that he is setting, stepping down because this guy, even though he's been the CEO for quite some time and he's probably done some good in his life, uh, but uh, after stuff came out, it's just been a ticking time bomb of when is this guy going to leave? He's obviously not managing the company well. I mean, he's putting studios that should not be working on Call of Duty on Call of Duty. I mean, just look at the recent Modern Warfare 3. I've already gone over my huge conspiracy theory about that game in that episode so i don't need to rehash it here but i believe that comes from the top down because they wanted their big payout before they left and what do you know at the end of december they're leaving wow pretty sus pretty fishy pretty fucking annoying so yeah good riddance and fuck you All right, Free Radical recently closed, and some of the developers who are working on the new Time Splitters game or remake, whatever it was going to be, have released some concept photos of what they were working on, and my God, we were robbed of essentially a next-gen Time Splitters game. Uh, the character models that are being shown off look great. It looks like a mixture of the old style of like the kind of like. Um, you know, kind of like cartoony, kind of chunky, kind of looking characters mixed in with some new, uh, you know, new, uh, better rendered kind of characters. There's this one character could have been a future waifu for the series. She's wearing like this mechanic outfit and she's got like these assless chaps on. Yeah, you know, it's pretty, pretty nice. Uh, but there's another guy who's like, he's got like these feet that are made out of, um, tank treads it's like really cool like really cool character designs um there's a lot of stuff kind of like this being shown off some enemy designs as well uh which just kind of looked really cool i i'm i just i i i'm almost brought to tears looking at this stuff because it's like we were so close to getting something new in the time splitter series and it looks so good so far like even these constant not not concept photos but like just screenshots from in the game of the world that they were building um, there's like this dam that they showed off that had really beautiful water effects. Um, the detail on like the different uh, environmental objects that you could interact with were really, really nice. Obviously, they were going for more of like that time splitters vibe where you kind of go around to each, you know, like these different time periods. So they they had like a Soviet dam and the Western area and whatever. So yeah, we were truly, truly fucking robbed of either a really, really good reimagining or just a really, really good sequel, a next-gen sequel for this game. I mean, they even had models of weapons that they were going to put in the game. I mean, this fucking roster of weapons looked awesome, dude. There's a Gatling gun, a grenade launcher, an AK-47, a Tommy gun, a fucking sawed-off shotgun, silenced pistols galore, a blunderbuss, a fucking Claymore sword, uh, fucking sci-fi guns in here, uh, some sort of rifle, uh, sniper rifles, a Panzer Shrek, a fucking Spaz-12, a fucking... <sighs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm practically moved to tears at this point, because this looks fucking good. Everything that's come out has looked fucking great. I really do hope that someone buys the studio or buys the rights or whatever. That is what I hope. Um, and, uh... Yeah, it's just, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible that we were robbed of this of this game. I have nothing more to say. 
Uh, also, another developer news. Uh, the developer behind Firewall Ultra is uh, closing. Um, they are not going to be making any more PSVR games or VR games. Um, they're going to close down at the end of the year, citing the team and the industry has uh, had a lack of virtual reality support. So uh, right now, uh, they've quoted the saying that you know if you're not AAA, then you're not going to make it in the game development world. Um, so they said that the expenses were too high and they were not going to be able to move forward in the AAA market, the VR market. Um, the original game called Firewall, Firewall, what was it called? Firewall Ultra? No, Firewall Zero Hour was supported for many years as a live service game. Uh, the developer had am- very big ambitions for their next game, which was Firewall Ultra, which I believe re- released earlier this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, we'll see where they go. Um, I hope that they find new work because uh, I, 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 if I remember correctly, the games that they released uh, had some pretty good reviews. So um, I, I do hope that these people find new work in other areas of the of the market. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, we're moving on to even more depressing news. Uh, Sea of Stars has released a, an update to take out a youtuber from their game um obviously working with anyone who is big in the industry or big in like youtube or even in media in general it's going to be a bit of a gamble because sometimes the people turn out to be a little bit shittier than you expect them to be in the case of sea of stars gerard the completionist has been removed from the game following allegations of um fraud essentially his charity the Open Hand Foundation collected more than 600,000 charity donations over the past couple of years, since like 2020 or something like that. And the money was not donated until recently when this information came out that uh, that the funds are being practically hoarded in a, in a fund, um, just kind of sitting there, not going to the people who need them. I mean, this is a foundation that Gerard... Um, I think he built the foundation. It's it's for um, um, Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's Foundation. Obviously, something that affects a lot of people in the world. And uh, he was put into Sea of Stars because uh, you know Gerard, the completionist, was a big proponent of this developer's games, um, like The Messenger and, of course, Sea of Stars. Um, and uh, you know he appreciated Gerard so much that he ended up putting him in the game as Gerard, the constructionist. Uh, who who is which has now been memed to oblivion. Now he's been replaced by just a regular construction guy, no, not based on anyone. Um, he has, I believe, he has like the same ish voice lines, but his com- character model and name is completely different. Um, so, yeah, the apparently the money sat in the open hand account for almost a decade, so almost ten years. So it's long, even longer than I thought. Um. Obviously, it's a pretty big rabbit hole with accusations and stuff being poured every which way. Uh, Gerard finally made a statement video about what had happened, but it was at, at times too vague, at times contradictory to his actual actions and what actually happened. And then at the end of the at the end of it all, he uh, was was uh, threatening to sue the people who uh, originally reported on the the open hand sh- foundation charity and, and and about the money which is also another way to like the worst possible way to handle this um, i'm not going to go into it too much more but just know that 
he's been taken out of the game for various re- you know for that reason um and uh obviously the money has I, I believe the money has now been sent to the people who need it but it took 10 years and a lot of controversy a lot of controversy some videos from from people who do like news stuff uh like um moist critical and um mudahar uh some ordinary gamer um who are you know obviously when this was originally like breaking people were kind of skeptical but with gerard's response video and everything that's kind of come out during that time uh, i think most people are kind of in the in the in the lane of like yeah he did this he did a bad thing this was wrong this is wrong for him to hide this for so many years it's wrong for him not to give the money out or leave it in the hands of someone who wasn't giving the money out or whatever happened um and of course a lot of people are you know who are friends with him don't want to like like I don't, I don't even know at this point. I don't even know. I shouldn't really say anything. I mean, I like I like the completionist content. I think he does a great job at this stuff. But the more and more that I read into this, the more and more things that come out, it's just I can't. I, I'm probably not going to follow him anymore. I was and, and the and the and the fucked up thing is I was just praising him a couple months ago about backing up all those 3DS games and Wii U games when the stores are being shut down and putting them on hard drives and giving them to the Video Game History Foundation. That was such a good thing for him to do. And just for everything to come crashing down in this in this way is just really unfortunate, really sad. Um, but uh, yeah, I really have nothing else to say about it right now. All right. Um, so there was a huge blunder on Roblox recently. Uh, earlier this week, a game called Five Nights at Freddy's Survival Crew made its way onto the Roblox servers, <clears throat> which was officially created by Metaverse Team Frights. Uh, working with Scott Cawthorn, the original creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, they were working on a Roblox game. Um, uh, and it was clearly unfinished. It was broken. It was unplayable at times. And what happened was that there was a screw-up at the official Roblox company. Um, Scott Cawthorn admitted, yes, we are working on a Roblox Five Nights at Freddy's game, but it was not supposed to be released um, it was supposed that he approved a skin or something like that for the game that was being designed by someone. And they, for some reason, the game was uploaded in entirety to the Roblox servers for people to play. Um, so Cawthorn says that, of course, the game was still in early development in infancy, as he quoted as saying it was a huge misunderstanding, a big baffling mistake. It was not approved that the whole the whole game was not approved to go out. So he promises that he's going to fix the game for the official launch in 2024 and he impl- and he hopes that fans are going to come back and and play the game um after this broken version of the game came out and uh yeah it, it is unfortunate when this kind of stuff happens because like this was probably going to be some huge reveal it was probably going to be the next big thing in Roblox um and it was probably going to be like millions and millions of people playing it uh and it, it was like of course like some broken half ass not not half ass but like half broken kind of like game that came out that people are gonna are, are probably gonna be pretty disappointed and if they try and play it uh so big big blow for for scott cawthorn personally who was probably building up this excitement for launching this game and having it be like a, a big release and and now that's kind of been blown out from under him but um yeah, hopefully they take their time, work on it, get it working, and then re-release it, and hopefully it gets a nice fanfare. I'm not a huge fan of Roblox. I don't think I've ever played it once, 
because it's, I feel like it's a kind of like a kiddie game, you know? I know there's a lot to do in there. There's lots of cool things that people have done, but it's just not one of those games that I'm personally going to be interested in. Um, but, uh, yeah, this this is, I mean, the Five Nights at Freddy's game mode, probably going to be pretty cool. I'm sure it'll be well-designed, especially if Scott Cawthorn himself is working on it. All right, so earlier in the month, I don't think I talked about this, but Discovery TV shows that you have purchased on the PlayStation Store would have been taken away from your library, essentially. Um, it, of course, bubbled up some controversy with people saying, like, why I bought the content? Why can't I? I, I, I own the content, but I'm not going to be able to watch these shows anymore. I'm not going to be able to do anything I want with these shows anymore. Uh, so recently, this past week, uh, Sony has established a new agreement with Warner Brothers, who owns Discovery TV. Uh, so this means that you won't lose access to your previously purchased shows, but this agreement is only for the next 30 months. So about a, what, a couple years? at the uh, 30 months is what? 12, 24. So it's about a year and a half, maybe? Or two years and a half. I'm sorry, two years and a half or so. Um, in a press release, they said, similar to other services, we do not own the licensing rights to TV or movie content that is previously available to purchase on the PlayStation Store. However, we've worked with Warner Brothers to update our licensing agreements, ensuring that consumers will be able to access their previously purchased content for the least next 30 months. So it's nice that, you know, you're going to be able to access this content for longer, but after these 30 months are up, will we be going through the same thing again? I don't know. Probably. Um, it is very bizarre that uh, they would just take the stuff off of the off of your library, off of your account. I mean, we've seen places like Netflix and HBO and whatever remove digital content. Lost media is now being made every single day, it seems, uh, with these companies taking their stuff off of these services and not putting them in any physical media or anywhere else on the Internet. Uh, so this is just another kind of concern for people who love digital stuff. I mean, I personally have a lot of digital content on like Steam and PlayStation itself, and to never be able to play some of those things that I bought again would be pretty shitty, especially if you paid a lot of money for them. I know there's some shows that are like 20, 30 bucks, which is a pretty pity penny, pretty penny, especially if you're someone who doesn't, you know, it, it maybe doesn't have the funds to spend excessively on these types of things. So it's nice that they're keeping it around for 30 more months, but we'll see if we'll run into this again in the future. The fan-made Link's Awakening DX HD port that was put onto uh, PC and stuff like that on a itch itch.io page um, was taken down. Um, essentially, Nintendo filed for a copyright or trademark claim, and they had to take it off of itch.io. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this thing has been around for a little while now, but it recently got some uh, some fanfare from multiple websites and places praising it for how good this HD version was. It ran at 120 FPS and had HD visuals and blah, 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 blah. Um, and uh, this this led to, probably led to, Nintendo's legal team finding out about it and then sending a cease and desist or whatever, a trade a copyright claim to them. Um, so on one end, it's nice that so many websites and companies were praising this game and giving it publicity that it probably deserved, but on the other hand, is it really the best idea to put a game like this from, you know, a Nintendo IP like this in the forefront uh, where millions of people can see and find out about it? Probably not the best idea. Um, and, uh, yeah, just 
in general, this has happened so many times. I've I've been I've been kind of scared that the that I think it was Push Square did a big article on the Bloodborne Cart game coming out, and uh, the same person who made Bloodborne Cart also did the Bloodborne uh, PSX version, the PS1 remake of Bloodborne. And I I always get concerned when websites do uh, interviews with them and do articles about them because then you get into the you get into the forefront, you know. It's possible Sony or places are going to see this. Same thing with this. It's possible Nintendo or or a legal team for Nintendo is going to see this and be like, oh, we need to shut that down because that's Nintendo's IP. They don't own that IP. It is it is a worse... And I mean, putting it out for free on like a, a, a random website is one thing, but charging people money on itch.io is another thing. If they weren't charging money for this and was just on some backwater website, I'm sure they would never... They would have been fine. One and two probably wouldn't have been discovered by Nintendo, but since it was... It was on itch.io. I believe they were charging people money for it. Uh, that's going to be two big no-nos for Nintendo. So, unfortunately, it's been taken down, and I don't think we'll be seeing it again. All right, Dark Souls 2 and Armored Core Verdict Day on PS3 and Xbox 360. They're having their online servers shut down on March 31st, 2024. Uh, in two different press releases, they talked about how uh, these games are going to have their online ver- uh, online modes be terminated. Um, the following features, uh, asynchronous online elements such as shades, bloodstains, and messages in Dark Souls 2 will be unavailable along with co-op elements such as co-op play, invasions, and dueling. Um, offline stuff for the game will still be available. Uh, online services will still continue for, for Dark Souls 2 on PS4, Xbox One, Windows, um, Steam versions of the games. Um, and then Verdict Day, kind of the same thing. On March 31st, Armored Core Verdict Day's servers are going to shut down. Things like world mode, mercenary features, territory customization, ranking, team menus, clans, other features tied to online elements will all be unavailable. Also, trophies and achievements linked to online elements will become unattainable, such as Soldier Model DLC is also going to be unavailable as well. Um, all story missions will still be a play available to play offline if you want to, which is nice, so it's not a complete waste of time to get a copy and boot it up in the future uh, but if you want to play these games with your friends and you have a ps3 and xbox 360 uh, now's the time before they shut the servers down and as i've said before and i'll say it again of course there's gonna be some people complaining about this but in the end like who really is playing dark souls 2 on ps3 and xbox 360 who's really playing armored core verdict day online on ps3 and xbox 360 it's probably such a negligible amount that they feel justified in shutting it down. So, unfortunately, if the player base isn't there, they're going to shut down the servers. In this case, that's that's probably exactly what's happened. All right, we're going to get to the more steamy side of Ferris 64 here. Uh, this is going to be a little bit NSFW, you might say. Uh, we're going to talk about the most popular Pornhub characters <laughs> from video games. Um, so, essentially, uh, Pornhub put out their year in review 2023 for... Video game characters, and I just think this is kind of funny in general, or just kind of amusing in general, um, maybe kind of hot in general too. Mm. So um, people have been actually logging on the Pornhub through game consoles. Uh, the PS5 and the PS4 are pretty much split, forty percent each, uh, which is kind of crazy. Xbox sixteen percent, other like 3DS, PS Vita, and Nintendo Switch is at one point six percent. Here are the most searched video game characters. Here's the top 10 here. We got Chun-Li, uh, the Fortnite version, 
Tifa from Final Fantasy, Diva Overwatch, Lara Croft, Lady Demescue, or Demetresque, I'm sorry, Lady Demetresque, Sonic, <laughs> Ada Wong, Mario, Widowmaker, Mercy, Jinx. Okay, those are those top, like, ten or whatever. Um, the most searched video games in general, uh, we have Fortnite, Overwatch, Minecraft, Pokemon, Atomic Heart, those two fucking twin robots really got people's hearts pumping, uh, Genshin Impact, uh, obviously, Resident Evil, Valorant, League of Legends, Mortal Kombat, and GTA Five, and Cyberpunk 2077 are the top searched video games, with Sims 4 coming out just below that. The least, or the, I guess not the least, but the, uh, the bottom of here, uh, Cuphead head um, is on here, and right above that is Legend of Zelda and Among Us. <laughs> For the characters at the bottom, we have Freya, Samus Aran, and Lucy from Cyberpunk. So I'm surprised Samus Aran isn't higher, but of course, I don't know if, she, if she's, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> And to tie it all together, Steam users can now completely hide and private games on their Steam list or in their purchase history. Woo! Porno game lovers clap and applaud. Um, This new edition will allow you to keep your Steam library invisible to your friends if you so desire. You can private any game uh, that you own on Steam or any game that you're about to buy on Steam. Essentially, you can mark games as private in the shopping cart by choosing for my account private or the same thing from their game list or Steam client library. Um, so it's cool. I guess it is kind of cool that they made the changes to both the cart and the Steam library in general. Also, the Steam client beta, pretty cool there too. Uh, players can now purchase gifts for multiple friends and themselves in one purchase now with inline gifting and shopping carts have now been synced across all devices. Um, these were also these were p- features that were being tested in the beta mode of Steam, and now, boom, bada, bing, they're here and available for everyone to use. Pretty nice updates, all things considered. Um, go ahead and buy whatever strange porno game you want. I did a whole podcast episode on a different podcast about porno games. The baseline is, in the moment, it probably seems pretty hot clarity on the matter after the fact the games are kind of shit let's be honest (laughs) so even if they're 99 cents maybe don't buy sex with hitler 52 uh because you might have a couple minutes of of enjoyment but looking back on it you're gonna be like well that was fucked that was fucked (laughs) anyway let's move on to the final part of the show which is what's coming soon All right, South Park Snow Day got a new trailer, and it revealed the release date of the game. Uh, so once again, this is like a co-op multiplayer kind of fight, fighting kind of game, I guess. Um, they're not doing a turn-based RPG anymore. Uh, this is officially going to be like a 3D game where you team up with groups of four or three other players, and you battle it out and try to be supreme on the battlefield. Um, so, uh, it's going to be available on March 26th, 2024, so it's not too far out. Um, the story of the game is going to be that you're the new kid, as you usually are, and, uh, there's been a massive blizzard, and, you know, there's a snow day, and blah, 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 school is canceled, which gives you the perfect opportunity to make a make-believe war, which will be raised, which will be waged across multiple maps. 
Uh, there's also a collector's edition as well that's been revealed. Um, this is going to include a Grand Wizard Cartman Snow Globe, which is pretty cool. It's actually not too bad. There's also a Grand Wizard Cartman Talking Toilet Paper Holder, which is not too bad of a collector's edition so far. The Grand Wizard Cartman Knit Beanie with official South Park logo and star. Okay, that's pretty cool. You also get South Park Snow Day Tarot cards. Six Tarot cards featuring the Emo Kids, um, which is also kind of cool as well. You also get the original soundtrack for the game. It's probably going to be a digital download, not a CD. And, of course, there is uh, physical versions. You can get it on PS5, Xbox Series X, or Switch, Nintendo Switch. Uh, they do not have a PS4 or Xbox One version listed. Uh, so maybe this is only going to be a next-gen game. Um and PC. So uh, actually not too bad of a collector's edition, all things considered. It's probably going to be a bit pricey though. I don't I don't see where the uh, let me see where the is there a price on the official page here? Um, I think it's going to be like a hundred something dollars. 120? Yeah, anyway, it, it's actually not that bad of a I mean, the, you get a lot of stuff. It's some cool stuff. If you're a South Park fan, this is definitely going to be something that you want to get. Um, I don't know how good the game's going to be per se, but it seems to be. It's, it, I'm going to get it. I'm I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. But it could also be one of those multiplayer games that lasts for like a month and then people fall off of it, kind of like that Crash Bandicoot game that came out this past year. All right, Devolver Digital had a holiday public access special, and they kind of talked about a couple of games in here. Uh, one of the big big ones was, of course, uh, uh, the Pucky Squire. Um, which, um, you know, still looking great, still looking like it's going to be a fun game. Also, Angerfoot was was shown off a little bit, so, so had a new trailer shown off. Um, I believe they revealed that the game is going to be coming soon. <laughs> so, you know, it's coming soon, folks. Uh, and, yeah, the Plucky Squire is probably the... I mean, that, that it just looks really good, I mean, in general. Um, that's supposed to, supposedly coming out soon as well. Uh, no official release date yet. Um, the uh, stick fighting game, I forget what it's called exactly. That's, I mean, all these games have coming soon attached to them, so I don't really have release dates for you to talk about, but a lot of what they showed off was good. I really enjoyed what they showed off, um, and it was actually better than like that um, presentation they had last year, honestly, uh, with the, uh, the, the, the guy with the big hand. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, and it looks like also maybe possible... DLC for Talos Principles coming around? Maybe? Maybe not. I don't think so. I think I'm wrong about that. Anyway, any, 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 anyway, some good stuff shown off. If you want to check out the whole show, it's on their Devolver Digital YouTube channel. Speaking of collector's editions, Blasphemous 2 is getting a collecting edition. I'm sorry, a collector's edition, not collecting edition. I mean, you are collecting it, technically. Uh, this is coming in early 2024. There's going to be a Switch and a PS5 version. There will be two steelbooks included, a certificate of authenticity, collector's edition box, an album of illustrations, more than 60 pages, a thank you letter from the developers, eight an art cards set with three illustrations. Uh, the standard game will come with it, of course, an instruction manual. Don't see too many of those. A collector's edition two CD music album, a Mar Marca del Martirio metal coin, a game guide of 60 pages of helpful tips, and a collector's CD cover 
which will include a exclusive code for download of the digital soundtrack. So there's going to be a physical and a digital version of the soundtrack. Uh, this is going to go for... Uh, I don't know how much money yet. Uh, they did not say how much money. So I'm guessing this one's going to be more so like the... Seventy to eighty dollar margin. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm thinking. Um, looks like a nice collector's edition. If you're interested in that, uh, I believe if you go to the Selecta Play YouTube channel, you'll be able to see more information about that. Uh, looks like it's coming from. Uh, I'm not sure where it's coming from. Maybe it's just coming directly from Team Seventeen, which would be nice. Anyway. Sega put out some more information for its new games coming. The games that everyone are very, uh, are very excited about from the summer, uh, I'm sorry, the <laughs> uh, the Game Awards showcase that included a bunch of old games that are going to be coming back. So in this little blurb, they had one, two, three, four, five games that they talked about. Crazy Taxi, innovative and fresh style driving action, cheerful feeling of freedom, x fusion of nat- nature and city. Peel out the new stage of Crazy City. <laughs> I, I'm guessing these are all translated from Japanese or something. Golden Axe. Warriors arise to subdue the demons. Defeat your enemies with a variety of attacks with swords and magic. The legendary story about the battle axe, Golden Axe, is about to begin. Jet Set Radio. Counterculture. Tokyo Street Open World. Experience the rebellion movement that feels free in a suffocating society. Make friends, increase your fans, and create movement. Uh, seems to also be looking at an open world, kind of like Bomber Cyberfunk. Shinobi. Slay the enemies in the silence of the moment. Run through the world of Shinobi full of monsters and ninja actions. Grab Oboruzuki, the legendary sword, and slay evil once more. Your clan the world are counting on you. And then finally, Streets of Rage Revolution, beloved side-scrolling beat-em-up action series. Take control of an ex-officer and make the city the place where people no longer have to walk the streets of rage. So, not really much there to go off of, but uh, I am optimistic about these reimaginings of their games. Should be kind of interesting to see what they pull out. There's an official Horizon cookbook called Tastes of the Seven Tribes coming soon. Uh, the cookbook is going to have meals representing characters and cultures encountered in both Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, the 192-page the hardcover text will teach you how to whip up various dishes like the spicy fireclaw stew to the bitter brew boar. Um, so, yeah, sounds like it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, recently, they released the official cookbook of the Nine Realms from God of War, which was pretty cool, too. Um, this will be a, this is actually available to pre-order right now, and it's expected to ship in 2024. So if you want to check it out and you want to cook up some meals, boom, bada, bing. Um, Horizon Taste of the Seven Tribes will be available soon. Played Up is officially getting a PS4 and PS5 release in February. On the 15th of February, um, the Played Up version of... I'm sorry, the console version of Played Up will be heading to um, PlayStation. It's been a little bit delayed. The Xbox version is already available now, so it's been a little bit delayed. uh, But the publisher has confirmed a new release date for the PS5 and PS4 version of the game. Uh, Played Up is still really fun to play. It's a roguelite restaurant cooking simulator kind of thing. Um, 
it's sold over a million copies on Steam, so you know it's it's a solid game at least. Um, it's also got a lot of mod support on Steam as well, which I, I'm sure is not going to come over to the console version of the game, of course. But uh, yeah, it's it's um it's 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 a really fun game, and anyone who you know doesn't like roguelites, this actually it doesn't really feel like a roguelite most of the time. It just feels like a chaotic kitchen kind of game. So I would suggest checking it out either on Steam or console whenever you want to. Mortal Kombat 1 is getting its cross-play release. Um, the window has been confirmed for the release, but not an official day. So it's coming in February of 2024. You'll be able to play across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Unfortunately, though, there is no mention of a Switch version. That they, There's no cross-play between the Switch version for some reason. Now, it could just be that they forgot. <laughs> um, but if you don't recall, cross-play was also skipped on the Switch version of Mortal Kombat 11. So it's possible that they just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in February 2024, we'll get cross-play between Xbox, PC, and PlayStation 5 for Mortal Kombat 1 if you want to check that out. Dementium the Ward. This was re-released on Switch in, like, earlier this year in October, I believe. It's getting a free HD update. Now, this was, an ori- this was originally a 3DS game or a DS game. Kind of um, a, a beloved old school horror game on those consoles, um, the 3DS and, and DS. Uh, players will be able to play the game with this free update with the high res mode, which will give the game a 1080p uh, docked version and a 720p handheld version. You can also ha- you can also swap to the high res CRT mode if you want to, which just kind of makes it look more like a CRT display. Um, so, yeah, fans of Chris Polygons can choose the high-res option, um, and they can also choose the Retro option if they so desire as well. So, there you go. Um, the game, I, I think I played the Dementium game before this one, and that was pretty good. This one's probably more of the same. I, I don't think I ever played this one, but uh, Dementium is a pretty good, kind of like, kind of like, uh, kind of like one of those like cult classic kind of horror games, you know? All right, Bethesda has teased six new major features coming to Starfield in 2024. Uh, these are things that people have been asking for since the game came out, and actually since before the game came out. Things like new ways to travel, which could include could include a vehicle, a transportation vehicle for on-the-ground stuff. Who knows? Maps of cities. Wow, can't believe they didn't do that. New ways to customize your ships. New gameplay options to adjust difficulty. Official mod support with the launch of Creations Mode. And uh, the first story expansion called Shattered Space will be coming in 2024 as well. The uh, first update is slated to come out in February of 2024, which will be the next major update. Um, They said, as the year draws to a close, we want to say thank you from the whole team for all the time you spent in Starfield and all the passion you have for the game. Uh, me personally, probably not going to go back to Starfield anytime soon. It was a brisk 68 hours of game time, uh, but the new game plus did not intrigue me enough to give it another whirl. Um, I thought the game was fine. I, I don't think it deserves as much hate as it is getting, but I do see how the game sh- could have been better, should have been better, especially in like the gameplay department. I feel like they definitely need to improve some of the old Bethesda-isms of the game. But that's also kind of what makes it a bit charming, in my opinion, too. Like, it still feels like, you know, one of those old Star, you know, Elder Scrolls-type games or something like that, which, of course, could be a big negative to a lot of people as well. There you go. And finally today, here are two games that are leaving Xbox Game Pass in December. 
On December 31st, we're losing Monster Train and Naraka Blade Point Deluxe Edition on console, PC, and cloud. So if you want to play those, make sure you play them before the 31st of December. Okay, for, folks, thank you for sticking around with me for this long. Let's go ahead and um, do the guess the song. Uh, guess the song. Uh, give me the song name and the game that's from, and I will give you a free super reaction on the Discord or a comment. And uh, I'm sorry, a congratulations and a heart in the comments on YouTube. Um, like I said, all you need is the game, is the song name and the game that's from. That's all I need. Let's listen to this week's song right now. Thank you so much. If you know that song name, just let me know in the comments below or on the Discord. No one got last week's song, which was Rave On from the soundtrack of Killer7, a bit of a cult classic right there. Um, if you didn't get that, I'm sorry. Um, actually, no one got that, so I am sorry you didn't get that. Uh, maybe you'll get this one, though. Let me know in the in the Discord or the comments. All right, folks. Thank you so much once again for listening to this episode of uh, Ferret64. do appreciate that. If you want to check out anything else I do, it's all at Yammy the Ferret, whether it be on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Twitch, etc. Um, streams on Twitch Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We're playing Power Wash Simulator on the weekends. Uh, we're making progress in that. And then uh, we are doing a fan vote for the end of the year. Whatever game wins, we'll probably close out the year with. It's pretty close to that time. Um, also, I will not be streaming on Christmas Day, as you may or may not know. <laughs> um, so I will see you all uh, on the following Tuesday. Um, I really appreciate everyone listening this year. It's been a great year for Fair 64. Looking forward to building the audience more and doing more stuff. Uh, the final reviews have been performing pretty well on YouTube, which is really what I like to see. You know, new stuff is getting numbers. Um, and then Fair 64 has also grown pretty well this year as well. I appreciate everyone who's been listening, everyone who has supported me. Um, and if you want to hear more, just keep listening. Just keep hitting that like button and keep subscribing. Uh, that's that's one way to keep me going, keep me, keep me uh, in good spirits about it. Uh, but I appreciate everyone. Also, if you want to check out the other podcasts I do, Film Freaks with a Z, we talk about movies. The latest episode is about Gremlins put you in the Christmas spirit. And the next episode is going to be about home alone, which will also put, keep you in the Christmas spirit, I guess. Um, and then I also do the ferret cafe podcast every other third Thursday. It's a bi-weekly podcast where I just have random topics talking about stuff. The second episode is available now in, uh, in all the different places that you can possibly go to. All right, folks, I am Yemi the ferret. This has been another episode of Ferret 64. Have a nice Christmas. And if I don't hear from you, have a nice new year. I'm out of here though. Thank you so much. Bye bye. The Ferret 64 Podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.